Hi, my name is Mike Mitchell, and I'm the Arts Director for Mount Pleasant Schools. I'm Kate Finn, the STEM Director for Mount Pleasant Schools. Welcome to Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, where we believe the, the arts are, are the heat that, that turns turn STEM, STEM into STEAM. So today we have a special guest. We have Becky Ash, who is the Manager of Professional Learning for the Tennessee STEM Innovation Network. We are going to chat with Becky today to see if we can define what is STEM and STEAM education. So Becky, let me ask you, in your view, what do you think STEAM education is? We know what it stands for, the science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, but what is it exactly? Well, STEAM thinking is actually the sum of its parts. Um, it's not any one of the contents represented in the acronym. It's about how do people who engage in those activities in, as a profession or even as a hobby, how do they think? How do they solve problems? And that's what's characteristic of STEAM, not the, um, you know, content of any one of the uh, disciplines that's represented. It's about how do people who enjoy that, how do people who engage in that in an ongoing basis for their life's work, their life's passion, um, how do they view the world? And it is a very logical and uh, some might say designed way of living life and approaching problems and not just solving you know, problems like how do we make robotic arms that have greater degrees of freedom? It's about how do I express an opinion in a way that's going to appeal to this audience? How do I use the medium that is in front of me um, to convey or evoke this feeling or this understanding from my audience from this piece of art that I'm working on. So um, really great STEM thinking actually has the arts so ingrained in it that it, it just, it generates steam, it generates momentum. Um, and so I, I really think you hear people using the acronyms um, as synonyms, STEM and STEAM, and when STEM is done well, it really is um, STEAM at its best because the arts, um, those are the places that we go to get the inspiration for design and new innovations. So um, it's this, it, it's the resulting um, fabric of thought and a life that is designed um, for a purpose. So really you're saying that STEM might be kind of not kind of fading out and moving more into STEAM because of that, that arts integration or that critical art piece of it. I think it's because of the understanding people are gaining that um, STEM, when it doesn't have the arts integration, is not inspired. And we want to spend our time and our, our energy and our passion on something that inspires us to be bigger than we are, to have a greater impact than ourselves. And STEM can't do that without the arts. So um, I think that's why we're seeing the movement towards STEAM. Becky, this is Mike. 
you haven't heard our intro, which we will we do at the beginning of each show, but Kate and I say that we believe the arts are the heat that turns STEM into steam. And so I think oh, that, there you go. And I think that that's, yeah. that's really what you just said, that inspiration, yeah. that ability to um, make it feel inspired. Yes. So let me, let's kind of move a little bit forward with now that we kind of have an understanding of what STEAM education is, how much freedom do you think schools have when they, in defining that term from themselves? Because we all know that schools are not all, you know, cookie cutter the same. They're Uh very unique. Um, And so how much freedom do you think that schools have in setting what that definition is or expanding on it? Well, I think in in the real world, um, schools are they're going to be bound by some expectations, and you know the the uh, boundaries set by their funding body, whether it's local government, charter, board of directors, whatever. Um, in a perfect world, schools would have complete autonomy to define. What does STEAM look like in our community? When you move into other areas of the country, or even of the state of Tennessee, you see a difference in the emphasis in industry in that community, and the schools within should be able to tailor their STEAM program to highlight that, because I I think parents, we all want for the next generation to be able to live a life that um, is, you know, happier, more productive, um, maybe a little bit easier than their parents' generation. But, you know, deep down as parents, we'd really like them to do it near us. (laughs) Um, And the community certainly invests in education, thinking that the students that we produce are going to be Um, neighbors we want to live next to and they're going to come back and they're going to enrich our community because we invested in them as young people. So I think it's really important um, as steam, uh, no pun intended, gathers steam, gathers momentum um, as a viable and sought after strategy for um, directing a school or building a school or setting a vision for a school that communities will realize the more autonomy we have to define um, the focus of STEAM in the curriculum and educational programming in our community, the better equipped we make our students to be able to go out and solve the problems that are um, unique to our area. And, you know, you get that whole thing that you can live locally but impact globally through uh, great problem solving and you know using the tools that are inherent in the acronym of STEAM. Thank you. So I want to kind of drill down. We kind of did that big vision of what is STEAM and STEM um, and how it can look in individual communities. Um, but you know as a STEM director one of my things is I've got to help teachers you know, kind of steamify their lessons and support them in that effort. So one of the biggest challenges um, in my position is that, you know, working with teachers that are not science or math or technology teachers, but, you know, working with ELA or social studies in 
they may not have a whole lot of experience. So can you give me in, in your, um, in your experience where you saw an excellent STEAM instruction or lesson in an ELA or social studies class? Sure. So before I came to the position that I'm in now, I was the founding principal of the LNM STEM Academy in Knoxville, and um, it was it is a STEM magnet school, and we it was the first of its kind in the Knox County school system, and we had to do a lot of that as we recruited staff. We had to do a lot of vision setting with teachers, especially those in ELA and social studies and areas that people don't necessarily identify as STEM. And what we found was by rooting all instruction in a solid design process, and we chose Stanford's D-School process um, because it's human-centered design. So every time you sit down and solve a problem, you start with, what is the experience or what is the problem being experienced by the user? So you always started with thinking about the person who's going to use the solution. And in doing that, our social studies teachers, our English teachers, ELA teachers found um, the design process was a very useful way to um embed the writing process because the writing process you do the same thing you think about your audience and your purpose for writing first and then they were able to follow the other steps in the process using the same vocabulary in the design steps as students were getting when they went to math and um, their CTE and computer science classes and their science classes so we had this common vocabulary and what that wound up looking like for a student, um, I went into an English classroom and a teacher was in the middle of her instructional unit on Hamlet, you know, which pretty traditional ELA instructional uh, content. And she had sat down and thought about, you know, what are the universal truths in Hamlet? What do we want to get out of that? And then she actually honed in on... Um, what she called the stem piece from Shakespeare, which was when you read uh, Hamlet, um, there's actually quite a bit of description of the flowers and, and uh, fauna and flora that were uh, part of the environment. And so she actually added to her instruction on Hamlet, the, uh, the flora and fauna of Shakespeare. And the students use those symbols that were in the text to draw further meaning and look at it from a different perspective. And so they were able to give this, by the time they were done, they actually designed a Shakespearean garden and they went back to his other works and um, identified the flowers and the other uh, flora that were I didn't realize it, but were actually pretty prevalent and very symbolic in Shakespearean um, writing. So that's one way I saw an ELA teacher do it. And in social studies, um, a world history teacher was instructing on the period, um, the European history of the Black Death. And um, she and a math teacher got together, and the math teacher helped come into her students and explain um, how the irrational 
number E works and because it's used in mortality studies um, pretty traditionally by sociologists and uh, anthropologists, cultural anthropologists. And so the students, as they were studying the Black Death, learned how to calculate morbidity rates. And then an English teacher got wind of what they were doing, and she brought it back in and used it in referenced it again in instruction when she was talking about the Canterbury Tales because the Canterbury Tales were on the back end of the Black Death sweeping um, Europe. So the students were, they were getting that traditional content, but it was definitely through um, what one might identify as a STEM lens. And the teachers did it by identifying, so this is the content within my area, but what is, how would a scientist use this content knowledge? How would they use it to enlarge their frame of reference and the audience who can understand and get something from what they're doing? And that turned out to be kind of like a, a panacea. Um, teachers are able to use that as just a general question as they start lesson planning and um then it was all about the human relationships of the other teachers around them, bringing in their content, because no teacher, you know, sat down and said, I know all this content and how it all fits together. It was teachers talking and sharing their content expertise that started making those connections. So um, even though people don't often talk about the importance of the human relationships that are enriched and represented in STEAM thinking, um, they're central to good STEAM instruction. Actually, good instruction, period, is based on relationships, but that's a great example. The, those sound like phenomenal projects. Um, to kind of help some of the teachers out there that may be just kind of starting to transition into this style of thinking and planning, um, just a couple of simple strategies that you think teachers could use to maybe transform a, a lesson into a STEAM lesson. Uh, well, it's actually in the example that I just gave, what they did was an English teacher would sit down as she's looking at her standards and looking at the content that she's teaching and, you know, looking at what do what will students need to know and understand when they're done with this. And then the next question was, so how does somebody who's in a STEM profession um, or a STEAM profession, how might that person use this content? And that's how they start adding the angles of what's the science represented, what technology advances are there, what um, artistic design inspirations might be there. And by asking oneself, so if my students leave knowing this content that I'm supposed to be teaching, what are they going to be able to do um, to better our world now in this time period, no matter what it is you're teaching? And um, then don't be afraid to admit I know my content, but I don't know yours in this other area. Go out to your colleagues and just have those conversations about starting with the question, you know, so I'm teaching um, taxonomy and biology, um, Mr. History Teacher. How might somebody in history use um, a knowledge of taxonomy and how to classify things, living things? And those are the conversations where they strike up and find um, actual 
problems in the community to solve. And that's what kind of gives the structure to those projects. They don't just sit down and say, oh, I know what I'll do. It usually comes as a result actually of going through the design process themselves, starting with what do I want my students to experience and what do I want them to know when they're done. Becky, I'm really fascinated with this thread that has started running through at least the last couple of questions you've answered about just our relationships as humans when we are learning and the idea that empathy is something that exists inside of STEAM thinking. I use this as an art teacher, but I wonder, I'm thinking about, I'm concerned for this other person in my building, like how does she who is a geology teacher or a math teacher, like it immediately makes you not selfish in the sense of how you're learning about it, but also how your students are learning. And then also it just, I just think it's interesting that reaching across like the value of like, I bet I'm doing something that might help her. And I bet she's doing something that is going to help me and my students. I love that idea of that steam as a way of kind of thinking about education tries to build back in those collaborative human conversation uh, skills um, and also just like our actual need as humans to feel connected to each other. Yeah. Um, Daniel Pink wrote in his book, A Whole New Mind, which he actually wrote it at, it's hard to believe the, the turn of the uh, millennium. Um, it was in the early 2000s. And he wrote about um, seven minds of that will rule the 21st century. And he started with people are driven by the need to live a life larger than themselves. We are uh, at, a, at the heart of it. You know, there are anomalies, people that just don't seem to be able to get there. But as a species, we were wired to be communal to live together to work together to collaborate and um, the last part of the 20th century education in particular seemed to be moving towards silos and silos is not how the world works it's not how problem solving happens it's not how advances are made and moving back to that how can what I'm doing impact other teachers, other students, or even as students are learning, how can what I'm learning impact other people in my life? Um, it gives a sense of gravitas towards every piece of content that we teach. And it's just one of those things that once you do it and it becomes how you think, um, it's a kind and inclusive kind of culture that so many schools are fighting to figure out how do we get there. Um, I'm not saying it will do away with bullying because people are people, um, but it does at least create a culture in a school that embraces it that is able to talk about um, to a student about how do you think your words or actions affected this other student. And it's not out of the blue where the student is like, well, what do you mean? I, you know, I've never thought like that in a school that embraces that. That's how most conversations start. And um, like you said, it, it just changes 
it changes the conversation from being egocentric to allocentric and, you know, oh, that we would live in a society that was actually more allocentric than egocentric. Um, that would be the ultimate way steam education could uh, impact the world for the better. But I think that that's also where that 21st century skills start coming into play and that how do you work with other people? How do you collaborate? Um, and I think that building a STEAM lesson is also a great way for teachers teachers to model that for their students. Um, yes. So one last question, and that was a, a perfect segue into it, is, you know, we all have this, we see them everywhere we go, is we have that level five teacher who is a rock star and they're getting results, but they're doing it through the traditional methods of teaching. Mm -hmm. So how do we get them on board with STEAM instruction? Well, it, it actually starts with empathy, going back to asking them, um, why did you get into teaching? And nobody got into teaching to be a level five teacher. People go into education to impact the next generation, to make a contribution, to feel like they're giving back. Um, most people go into education for altruistic reasons. So asking that person, it's like, you know, you're doing great things, you're meeting the expectations, but asking them, and, you know, maybe it's about them asking their students, what is the experience like for their students? Um, are they really having the lasting impact on them that they intended? And the most teachers who are level five, you know, their students are getting the content, but if one asks students, what do you like most about the class? the students are going to give responses that all lead back to the relationship building, that lead back to the authentic application of knowledge, because that's, that's a, the human experience. And making that level five teacher aware that you're embedding pieces of this, but if you make it explicit in your thinking, um, it's going to take your, you know, who invented five as a scale? So it's kind of asking that teacher, wouldn't you rather be, you're, you're level five, you got it. Wouldn't you rather be level seven? Um, wouldn't you rather just set a new scale and shoot for that? And um, we, we tried at, at the LNN, we tried very hard. Uh, I, I gave teacher, teachers autonomy. It's like, you know the content that you're ultimately responsible for. You know what they're going to be tested on. But our instruction never focused on the test um, that students were going to be taking. And we used that only as one piece of data about how the school is performing. But by doing that, um, we were able, um, the LNN is the highest ranked STEM school in the state of Tennessee, according to U.S. News and World Report. Um, it's in the top 5% of schools in the nation, um, according to U.S. News and World Report. And that's based on the percentage of students who are, attempt well, several things, but it includes students who are attempting and achieving at um, AP classes and exams, the number of students, the uh, mean ACT uh, composites, 
for the number of students completing early post-secondary opportunities and being successful. Um, it's the LNMs have been a reward school ever since it was eligible, except for the one year when they didn't um, designate reward schools across the state. But every year it's been in existence, it has met that standard. So it's a little counterintuitive to those level five teachers um, if that's what their focus is. But helping them, it's not about changing the focus. It's about reframing how you look at your instruction. Um, STEAM education enhances what they're already doing. And most of the time they're already doing pieces of steam or they wouldn't be getting the level five results. Well, that was great. Um, we really appreciate your time, Becky. We know that you're busy, um, especially with TSIN getting into their, um, certification season. And yes. we are just grateful to have, uh, this time with you and, and your point of view and your expertise in helping us try and define what is STEAM education beyond the acronym. Yeah. Th yep. Thanks for taking your valuable time in Vegas to uh, nerd, <laughs> nerd out with us and, and talk about stuff that other people in Vegas probably wouldn't take the time to talk to us about. So we really appreciate it. Well, the group I'm here with actually would embrace it because it's a computer science education uh, group. So, yeah, it's, it's just uh, leave it to the nerds to be economical. It's actually the cheapest place in terms of what your room rate can be negotiated in food. So, you know, we don't pay attention to all the flashing lights and other distractions and about I love that you used steam thinking to decide where your event was going to be held. <laughs> hey, steam thinking is how you should approach everything. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, it's a process that you can trust every single time. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mount Pleasant Tennis Steam. Thank you, TSIN, for helping us define steam education. Stay tuned for more episodes about this topic. The arts are the heat that turns STEM into steam.